Pressure from Thomas off the edge. Eli Manning airs it out down the field. It is caught by Tyree. Oh my God. This ball's thrown and Tyree just goes up for it like a basketball player. Harrison trying to knock it down. That's a great catch by David Tyree. Welcome back to Catch the Moment Podcast. It's your host, David Tyree. Super excited to dial back in for another episode. We get you through the pain, the process, journey, get you to your next moment. Today, super excited to connect with author, um, mentor, and just a dynamic educator in general, but even more so host of the Harrison Family Values. Bro, it's, it's good to yeah. connect, man, and, and get a dialogue, man. Um, you know, got to get the business out of the, out of the way first. Yes, sir. Um, we definitely go back a good while, some mutual connections, but I don't even know if I ever got your helmet cash story. So where were you? What's your memories? <laughs> Come on, we need it. We, we you know, a like helmet cash story. Yeah, where right, was the first so, thoughts? Anything, whatever. Uh, I'm a I'm a loyalist, right, to my city. So I've been a Giants fan since I can remember. But I was and, I was nervous. I thought you were going to say I was a Jets fan. You no, know, no, you know, Giants <laughs> fan. Yeah. So it's always <laughs> Jets. Um, 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 Yankees, Knicks. Giants. Okay, so you got the right yeah, combo yeah, too. Yeah. So I Always tell been people, that way. Jets, Mets, Nets, right. second class yeah. citizens, man. Yeah, second uh-uh. class, right? So um, I had a, a Super Bowl party because my Giants is playing the perfect yeah, yeah. Patriots. And I got to be honest with you. Yep. I didn't think the Giants was going to win. Not many uh, did. You, <laughs> you be in the majority. Yeah, yeah. So I remember uh, I was renting um, uh, an apartment, but we had access to the basement. And uh, I had gotten a projector from the church. Okay. Right? They, they didn't know this, but they're going to find out now. <laughs> uh, I took the projector from the church and set it up in the basement. So I had like a, a Super Bowl party. Nice. I had some of the guys from church. Um, uh, the ladies were staying upstairs. And I'm watching the game. And it was a tight game. So I thought the Patriots were going to blow the Giants out. Yeah. It was a tight game. Uh, but then uh, I remember uh, the first score. Some guy named David Tyree. Yeah. You know, getting the Go pass ahead. From. He showed me love, man. <laughs> so guy named David Tyree, first first uh score of uh for the Giants. I'm like, okay, we could probably win this. But then the game was going on and on and on. And I'm like, all right, I'm not I'm not sure what's gonna happen. Patriots is up. And uh I'm like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna lose this. It's just gonna <laughs> like this. And then uh the snap, and then Manning released the ball, and I saw you rise up to catch it, right? And when you landed, yeah, it was wild. And then the refs called it, you know, clean, like good. The, my whole house exploded. <laughs> my whole house exploded. Like everybody was going all over the place. At that point, I'm thinking we're winning this game. Yeah, we're winning this game, right? And it was, it was amazing, amazing, yeah. right? And I remember uh, uh, Manning's, um, uh, like you know, at the end, you know, they're talking about, you know, hey, how you feeling? And uh, he said your name. He was okay. like, you know, David Tyree, man. And um, I was like, it, it was it was amazing to watch. Yeah. I was thinking like, how, how how did you do that? Because you had to, <laughs> like for you to hold it on your helmet, you had to be able to curl 200 pounds easy. Because <laughs> you know? it's either that or it, it, was, worked it was a on miracle. <laughs> yeah. It was either that or it was a miracle. Yeah. You know? And. That's where I was. That's, That's where I was. dope. That's dope. Yep. Now, I love, I love hearing that. And obviously, like I said, you're a New York native. Yeah. So I can only imagine, you know, not just with that scene. I always think, and I talk to anybody, I'm like, yo, what was the city like? What was the island like? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I know it must have just been horns honking and no, just crazy. craziness in the streets. Yes. Huh? So, um, nah, it's, it's a special time because everybody typically remembers mm-hmm. um, where they were and what was going on when, even when they saw it, even if it so. wasn't the day of it. So, nah, thanks for sharing, bro. But I, I mean, like, it probably had to be just not too much longer afterward where a mutual connection. Mm-hmm. And um, I've always known you as a, as, as a servant, right? Like, you know, just a servant. Um, I had a relationship. I'm actually working in Staten Island and we meet up. You're an educator. In New York City schools, mm-hmm. but you you've always been a servant. What about your journey has kind of led you to this place of impact, especially um, in relation to children mm-hmm. and being able to instruct, care? What knitted your heart to to these gravitational places of service? I grew up in <clears throat> Manus Harbor in Staten Island. Uh, prior to that, Brooklyn, mm-hmm. and um, I watched a lot of things happen around me, and I could have gone in almost any direction, mm-hmm. any direction. And even before I found Christ, um, I was always just trying to help people younger than me. Yeah. Um, I would be at the park, you know, just 
playing with the, the little kids playing basketball. Sure. Right? I remember um, even with me, there were some of the you know older guys in the community that would pour into me as well. Yep. Uh, like I remember I was playing basketball and I was a scrub. I was was bad. No, I was bad. You was out there like, you know what it was? White chocolate. (laughs) (laughs) My mother had us pretty sheltered in Brooklyn. Okay. Right. Um, I couldn't go anywhere. I, I call them the smart mothers. You know what I'm yeah, saying? At yeah, the end yeah. of the day, you, you grow up, you become an adult, yep. and you realize what yeah. they were sheltering you from. Yeah. Like people would say, you know, when the street lights came on, you came home. Those uh, I rules. was already on the porch. So when the street light came on, you I ain't playing no games. I you was, was already the- there. <laughs> I wasn't allowed to leave the porch. I was sheltered. Then when I moved to Staten Island, got a little bit more freedom. Yeah. The park is right down the block. Big Going to the park, playing basketball, and everybody is is either beating me like I don't know how to play because I didn't yeah. or, or sunning me like, you know, making fun yeah, of me because yeah, I don't know yeah. how to play. And some of the older guys would just teach me certain things. Nice. And I would just practice those things. Everything they taught me, you know, I took in. Everything I, they taught me. And I started to, try, you know, sort of turn that into me helping the younger ones out also. Uh, so you actually, and, you, you saw the value in it. Yeah. That's yeah. fantastic. The thing is, I, and I got better. I, got like I was I, I got by the time I graduated high school I was you know I was really you good re- at get some respect out there yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and I saw the value in in somebody giving me that kind of advice or, or guidance sure me giving it to others and uh, when I became a Christian it, it sort of just went right into that mm. I became a Christian and I was a 17 year old kid in the youth group and all of a sudden all the 13 and 14 year olds are telling me hey you know uh, what do you think about this you know what about this Bible verse? And I'm like, yeah. no. Like, <laughs> on to Jesus who? Uh, but um, so it just kept going from there. And sure. I, I, I really believe that uh, pouring into the young people sure. helps us all in the future. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, and the thing is, if you give anybody uh, the right path to walk in, uh, they're going to be successful. Sure. Give them an alternative to see something different and let them see the benefits of choosing this path is going to help you because this is the alternative and this is where this is going to lead you. Sure. You know, now you have a choice and whenever you give, and I just want to give young people the choice. Yeah. I want to be that, that, that choice. Right. That's good. And, uh, uh, yeah. And that's, and that's why, like I, I've always been in, in service to families, to people. And I feel like I feel fulfilled. I feel like my job is done. Yeah. I don't have to be on a grand stage. I don't have to be, you know, seen, uh, but if I can push somebody to be successful, yeah, that's why I'm happy. Nah, man, I transitioned from the, from the NFL in 2010, mm-hmm. and um, like I said, mutual friend. Yeah. I'm working with his father, financial, you know, kind of in the financial service, but they were extremely charitable mm-hmm. and um, outreach driven. So we did a lot of outreach, and you know, I think the faith marries service, right? If you're if you're obviously of the Christian faith, and most 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 religions, you understand the the necessity and the value of loving people and that yeah. requires service and action. So um, what was attractive for you to understanding your need, even at that early age in relation to faith and growth and, and just being better? Honestly, at the time it wasn't a need. I'll be honest with you. So uh, I share this all the time. It's a little Good. bit about my testimony. Uh, his name is Matthew Reeves. He actually trains my son now in basketball, Matthew Reeves. Right. I was in high school with the time of high school in um, Staten Island, New York. And, uh, uh, I was a year ahead of him. So he was going to church and he was heavy in the church. I was heavy in the basketball. Gotcha. Uh, I was also heavier in other things, but. We're going to go to the next. We had to, we had to yeah, run that back. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, just, uh, you know what it was? Like, I, I wasn't a bad kid. I wasn't a knucklehead. I wasn't out there, you know. One in them streets. I wasn't in them streets. No Not crazy, like that. mean like mugging that. and drugging. No. And what's crazy is I grew up in a really tough neighborhood. Sure. I was friends with all of them. You know, all, all of the killers, all of the drug dealers. <laughs> I was, but the thing is, I don't know what it was about me, but they respected me enough to where if something was about to go down, they would say, hey, Dre, go for a walk. You know, it was like that. You know, it's beautiful. Um, I, they knew me. I played See, that's ball. the difference between our era and today's it's era. True. Oh, man. Yeah. It was like Goodfellas still had rules, right? Yeah. Like even in, in, trust yeah. me, Staten Island is full of them, too. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. So, yeah. yeah. Go ahead, man. So, um. So I wasn't like a knucklehead. I was respectful to my, my elders, all that stuff. Just, you know, I, I smoked. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I was out like, here burning it down. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, at girls and whatnot, whatever. Um, but I wasn't, according to, you know, world, world standards. standards. There you go. So um, this kid named Matthew Reeves would howl me every single day for like two years to come to church. 
Really? And I would not go. Yeah. I'm like, no, wow. I'm good. And the thing is, I always had a, a desire for God, right? Yeah. I just thought, you know, I was good. Like, I was a nice person, you know? Yeah. I respected people. I'm good. And he just kept hounding me to go to church and go to church and go to church. I was like, no, I don't want to go to church. I don't want to go to church, right? So um, toward the, the beginning of my junior year, uh, he asked me to come to church. I said, no, I don't feel like going to church. Don't, don't just stop asking me. It got to the point where uh, Tyneville is a huge school and it's like shaped in a big square, right? Okay. And it have wings, like, you know, um, A, B, C, D wing. Oh, wow. I would have a class, right? Uh, I, would, I would have a class in the A wing and in between, all I had to do was walk to the B wing, right? But if I saw him, I'm walking all the way around the building to avoid it, yeah. right? I'm late for class and everything. Why you treat my man like you had <laughs> you know? bad breath or something? Yo, man, it's crazy, <laughs> right? And he wasn't like a cornball. He was a cool dude. Just solid dude. I just didn't want to go yeah. to church. Uh, so one day he said, hey, please come. Yeah, just come to church, man. I got some people coming over. We're going to play ball. I said, yep. basketball? Right, yeah. I'm there. So this was a Friday. We went go play basketball. I saw some of the kids from the school, you know, from Park Hill. And I'm like, yeah, what's going on? We were playing ball. It was cool, right? Yep. I said, hey, you know, we got service on Sunday. I was like, you know what? I'll check it out. Right? <laughs> so he, I wasn't looking. He, he romanced you with a little hoop yeah, dream. Yeah, okay. yeah. Okay. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so we go to church and the church is cool, you know. Um, yep. A multicultural congregation. It wasn't overly huge, right? Pastor's preaching uh, at the end of the message. I'm like, okay, this is cool, you know. Uh, everybody's praying and this lady starts going crazy with some crazy language. I had no clue what they were saying, right? Yeah. So I'm looking around like, what, what's happening here? <laughs> right? But everybody's head was down, right? So I'm like, uh, let me keep my head down because I'm going to be the only <laughs> fool looking around. And I thought to myself, I'm never coming back to this church again. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> uh, lo and behold, he's nut jobs. Yeah, he, kept, he kept asking me, kept hounding me, right? And I kept saying no, dodging him. And then um, one day he caught me, he cornered me and said, listen, man, we're going on this youth retreat. I said, what's a youth retreat? He said, yeah, we go to, away to, you know, this college university and we, you know, talk about God and we worship God. I said, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not going. No. Then he said, but there's a basketball tournament. I said, word? I'm Bro, there. it was gay. <laughs> I'm like, I'm there. Right? So we go there uh, and the first night there was a guy named Danny Chambers um, speaking. Okay. And... Uh, what well, he said resonated with me. And I, I remember saying to God, like, if you're real, you know, if this is all, all true, I'll give my heart to, to you today, you know. And we wound up losing the basketball tournament, but that Saturday night I gave my heart to Jesus. Wow. And, and I remember I, I, I was a zealous. You know, like, when I first got saved, I was like. You, you was like. You, yeah, great. I went home. Don't, 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 don't ask me nothing. No, yo, I went home. <laughs> I took all my secular music. My mother thought I was crazy. I threw it all out, all that. I had, the only thing I had. Oh, you went hard. You went no, hard. No, I went so hard. That's, that's my kind of Christian yeah, right yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And put that on the trash. Danny, Danny Chambers did music too. So he was throwing music into the audience and I caught a cassette tape. Yeah. <laughs> cassette tape. It was back in 97. And that was the only piece of music I had for months. Wow. For months. Yeah. And what's crazy is like, I was in the music. I thought oh, I was going to, um, it's bad to say this now, but. I thought I was going to be an intern at Bad Boy Records. I went into Oh, a, yeah. Yeah, now, now it's, it's tough 90s, to say. 90s, you, you would have been the man. Yeah. I was um, looking to go to Institute for Audio Research. Okay. Because I wanted to learn you know, music production and, and mixing and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, but I wound up going to Bible college. Wow, yeah. man. What a pivot, bro. Yeah. So at 17 years old, which is like I said, man, you way ahead of the curve. Yeah. And... Um, it's it's a it's a bold. You are literally like the minority of the minority, yeah. right? Like, I mean, like, few there be. So, um, and, and, and at the time, it's like I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't going through anything crazy. Like, yeah, I grew up without my father. I didn't have like the most, you know, I, my life wasn't crazy. Yeah, like, it wasn't like no, nah, like no best. overt yeah. crazy. Yeah, yeah. like, and you know? I don't have the craziest, but I got a, I got one of those yeah. radical transformation testimonies. It was yeah. just a gentle leading. You know, some some fair resistance. I want mm -hmm. my own way, but yeah. you just yield. Hey, man, I, I love it. So when people have encountered you, you know, because because there is this contrast of people feel like you have to be the worst human being yeah. yep. in the world to need a savior. Yeah. You know, what have some of your conversations been like in your service to people? Because I think, you know, you know, you have this ability to meet people right where they are. Mm -hmm with the conversations, right, you know, through your podcast and, you know, just understanding that there has to be a meeting ground. Yeah. But when people, you know, when you engage that, 
What's your what's your go to? You know, knowing that you don't have one of those robust, uh, yeah, crazy, yeah. Like I really come from the angle that, like, when it comes to faith, you don't have to have that kind of crazy testimony for you to be like that kind of relevant Christian that people want to hear from. I'm sure you've been challenged. I've been challenged. Yeah. Why would they need God? <laughs> well, if I'm not that bad, you know. Then the question is, uh, what metric are you using to determine how bad you are? Oh, you know. So if I'm using my own metric. I'm going to be good every time. If if I see somebody that has something that I want and it feels good to me to take it. Sure. Right. Then I'm going to take it and then say, I'm not bad because I wanted it. It's mine. Right. I, yeah. I wanted it. So whose metric are we using to determine what's good or bad? Sure. And I had to, when I, when I became a Christian, I had to, to come to grips with that. Mm. You know, like who, you know, yeah, I smoke weed and I was, you know, I, I you know, I wasn't like a, a huge, I slept, you know, the yeah, yeah, yeah. He was but, out here hooking. Hey, yeah. we was out here hooking it home. <laughs> <laughs> we was out here. We was in these streets. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, nah, yeah. I but, tell people all the time. Yeah. It's like you know, it, it, it reminds me of you know, you know, when you break the law, you're a lawbreaker. Yes. Yeah. Right, and that's the simplest parallel because yeah. who hasn't lied, stole, mm -hmm. and cheated in some capacity? Yeah. And it's a good old Ray Comfort, you know, if anybody who's been yeah, in the faith, you know, just you have to be honest with, mm -hmm. and if you did it, then that's, that's who you are until yeah. you no longer are that person. Yeah. And um, obviously, you know, like I said, our faith is, it's complex, but so simple. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, yeah. you eventually get to the gray area, but not before, until you deal with the black yeah. and white. And, and you know what I find too? I think people's issue isn't really with, with faith. It's how they can operate in society. With their faith, yeah, you know, like how how can I, you know, how can I be real and relevant? The love of the world, and still, yeah, <laughs> still, still be a representation of Jesus. You know? Yeah, that's excellent, man. So tell me, like, in, in what was you know for for you as you matured, and you know, like I said, we're in a kind of a similar age, a similar age bracket. I think you might be a little older than me. I'm just saying. Yeah, forty three or forty three. Where you at? Wait, I'll be forty four in December. Okay, you got me. You got oh, me. Ah man, Dad, actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. You got me. All right. So at the time, yeah, I, but I'll be forty four coming up real soon, my okay. dog. Understanding that, right? Like when you think about unpacking the journey of becoming mm. a man, unpacking the journey mm. of becoming whole. What were some of the painful? processes or the things that you had to endure to become more secure to become more whole you know because like i said whether it's a missing a father or whether it's there were some things that you know we these are conversations that are starting to happen more and more yeah. and more yep. you know um but for you what was that painful thing that you had to begin to deal with to come to a greater place of stability and wholeness even in your service to other because you can't offer what you don't have yeah, yeah right so what was some of your you know as, as you've arrived to be just such a credible uh mentor steward leader in service even mm -hmm. in the gospel yeah. what were some of those things that that was hard to do it was hard to find who i was as a man mm -hmm. um today i'm a father to so many different kids like it's it's crazy how um every morning before my day starts there's dozens of kids before they go to class, come in and give me a hug. And I realized they, 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 the reason why they want the hug is because they need to feel uh, a positive male presence yeah. and support. Right. And, uh, I, I had that growing up, but not in consistency, not consistent, but in spurts. Right. Sure. I had a great positive male role model, like my uncle. It's awesome. Um, my brother's father, Alvin, but my father, my biological father, I call him Alvin pop. My biological father wasn't there. Got you. Uh, and I would have this reoccurring dream. Uh, and the dream would be me as a kid. And um, my mother was holding me in a towel. And she was arguing with this man. And as they were arguing, he was exiting. Mm. And he was walking down the stairs. And he looked up at me and waved. And I waved back and, you know, that was a dream. That right? was a dream reoccurring. So Whew. fast forward, <clears throat> I met my father when I was like 30, 30, 31. Wow. And, uh, and I wrote a book called From a Father's Father to His Sons. Uh, mm. And before I released it, I let him read it. And I shared that in the book. And he caught me. He says, Andre, um, that dream you had uh, was the exact thing that happened the last day I saw you. Whoa. Right? It was a, a reoccurring dream, right? 
and I didn't realize how how much my the lack of my father not being my father not being there weighed on me growing mm. up. Uh, I, um, in fact, like you know, so I grew up in a house full of women. Yeah, me um, too. I, I I knew how to turn double Dutch. <laughs> you know, like I kid you not. Yeah, my, my mother told me that I wouldn't go to the bathroom without my sister. Wow, my godmother. You know, she passed away a couple of years ago, right? And I remember this. I had to be about maybe four or five, right? And I would sit down to pee, right? Ooh, my godmother. Not to sit down. No, <laughs> well, listen, that. like, listen, let's, let's. So my godmother came in, right? And she said, <laughs> uh, I'm going to say the word. She said, you ain't no B. Stand up. Stand up. And, and she taught me how to pee standing up. Hey, bro. Right? This is so good. <laughs> so, Listen, man, this is so good. And, uh, a, and I had yeah. moments, I had two older sisters. I had women championing my masculinity. Yeah, see, yeah. It, it, was, it was a powerful thing. Yes. Because, you know, like I said, I was the youngest. Mm-hmm. I was a little bit of a crybaby. Yeah. And I had two older sisters and a mom. But my my older sisters were tough. Mm-hmm. And they they understood at least at that some young young measure what a what a man some of what a man needs to be mm-hmm. not all yeah but you need to be stronger yeah. like you know mm-hmm. you need to stand up to piss yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> just hear that right it's great to hear that because yeah. we're going in the opposite direction yeah, we are. we're validating behaviors mm-hmm. that aren't producing healthy masculinity yeah, we're not talking true. about toxic side we're talking about just healthy, healthy. yeah secure mas- secure masculinity yeah secure masculinity. Yeah, so I didn't realize, you know, like yeah. growing up, and I and my mother would, um, uh, you know, date and get to know men. Yeah, my 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 initial thing was just let me get to know who this man is. Yeah, you know, not like that. You know, let me be a knucklehead to to this man coming to date my mother. Sure, I'm like, I just want to know who he is so I can get to know him. Wow, you know? and genuinely interested. Yeah, yeah, I wanted to know what it was to be a man. My godfather used to shave. Right, and he would used to, you know, take mix the sh- no, the shaving cream and all that. He's mixing it, anything. yeah, put it on well, with a knife. With and I would just watch, you know, yeah. in amazement, like you know, okay, this is what men do. Yeah. I would walk around my godfather's house with his shoes on, you know, That's trying dope. To, to, and uh, and I didn't have my father there, and I, I and I realized that I was yearning for male guidance, male presence, to to see. So I grew up making a lot of stupid mistakes. Mm. Um, I remember. The first time I lost my, well, the first time, you only lose your virginity one time. I'm about to say you get one crack. <laughs> so, <laughs> I lost my virginity, right? Um, I was 12. I was 12. Woo! And man, you, you got out there, my boy. Yeah, yeah. I'm not, that, wow. yeah, I'm not proud of it. <laughs> no, nah, listen, but, man, you, you and me both. I was 14, not proud. Yeah. So I remember going to a, a, a night center, playing basketball. I was 12, going to night center and with, with one of my friends and then, and they're all like talking about, you know, sex and, sure. and how it felt and all that stuff. And, you know, they're all lying because not, not, <laughs> not any of them, not any of them did it. Right. All of them was like, yeah, you know, I'm a virgin. And I'm like, I, I ain't a virgin either, you know, and knowing I was. Yeah. Right. Same and, thing. Uh, you know, 14 year old girl, you know, uh, from the school, you know, had interest in me and invited me over to her house and and boom. Right. Goes down. Uh, yeah. It wasn't. You know, fireworks and none of that stuff, right? But yeah, that you know, was pretty. It was a pretty shameful performance here too. Yeah, <laughs> but you know what I realized? They all were liars, right? <laughs> they all they all were liars. And when I remember, I remember telling them what happened, and they were all shocked, like, "Yo, word, how would it feel? Oh my god!" I'm like, "Wait a minute, what do you mean you, you ain't you, you ain't, ain't you ain't do this?" You know? Uh, but what's crazy is after that, like, I I, I had no desire. After that, and I wasn't a Christian. I just had no desire. Wow. Yeah, and um, that's a very interesting. Usually, is is hooked and cooked. Yeah, yeah. You open, the, so, you unleash the beast. And I was afraid of having a baby. Ooh, good. That's a you good know, fear, brother. That, I was afraid of having a baby, and I so I wasn't afraid enough. <laughs> See, <laughs> I, I remember being um, I was 15, 14, 15, and I had a girlfriend, and uh, great relationship with her family, great relationship, and she would pressure me to you know, yeah, do so, and I would say no. All the time, no. Woo, boy, Always you was no. the prize no, out no, here, no. man. You know, usually it's yeah. us stalking these women, putting this <laughs> yeah. prayer pressure for but, them. To... But uh, one day I get a phone call from her mother. Her mother says, um, I call her mom, I call her mother mom, says, uh, hey, Andre, did you and my daughter have sex? I said, no. Don't lie to me, boy. 
Did you want my daughter to have sex? I said, well, why are you asking me this? Like, no, no. Yeah. Like, what's going on? Talk to me. Like, what, what's going on? Yeah. She said, I'll let her tell you. Right. So maybe a month and a half before that, after school, I went to her house. Sure. And I knock on the door. She opens the door. And the guy that lived across the hall, who was older than us, like considerably older than us. Sure. Walked out. And she was in a towel. So I was like, yo, what's going on? Right? What? She said, oh, no, no. He came by because he thought my sister was here. She wants, you know, he, he likes my sister. Okay, no problem. Whatever. Ooh. I was a little naive. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Back to the conversation I was having with her mom. She said, you talk to her. So uh, I tried calling her. She would answer. Then eventually she answered. So I asked, why is your mom asking if we had sex? Yeah. She wouldn't answer. Mm. So I asked her straight out. Are you pregnant? Turns out she was pregnant. <clears throat> what? From the guy that lived across the hall. Oh, scandalous. I was in tears. I was broken. Sh- devastated. Broken. And my mother couldn't console me. Um, I said, I need to leave her for a walk. Went around the corner to my boy's house. I told him what happened. He says, I, I know exactly what will help. So we went across the street to the projects, went on the roof. And that was the first time I got high. Because mm. prior to that, I was telling all of them, Nah, chill, man. That's going to kill you. Don't, don't. Yeah. After that, I got high. Take away the pain. You know? Yeah. And uh, and that day, I, I remember saying to myself, you know what? I'm never going to give my heart to a girl. Mm. I'm a dog in my That inner vow, brother. Yeah. Are we getting into it now, bro? Yeah, yeah. You know, it, obviously, it, ma- it makes sense when, when, I, when I consider some of your journey because, like, you know, I'm, I'm 43. You grew up in the 80s, 90s. Mm-hmm. I tell people it was an amazing time to kind of grow up. It was. Because yeah. you had a blend of traditional, um, traditional yeah. values outside, things that were health, mm-hmm. healthy for social emo- emotional growth. Yeah. You know, you might have even known some of your neighbors back in the day, you mm-hmm. know, just depending on where you're at. New York City is different place, but, you know, Staten Island's neighborhoods. Yeah. So, but then technology and, you know, music, television, this is all new, yeah. cable, all new, technology, new. Yep. So by the time that you're 10, 11, 12 years old, you know, you're growing into different opportunities, but you're being educated by yeah. some interesting uh, traps. Yeah. And I look at the generation. So I look at like, man, my mom's a boomer, you know, mm-hmm. like, you know, so born in 48, by the time the 60s is here, is, is Woodstock, mm-hmm. is Vietnam. So there was a there was a rebellion against mm-hmm. what was a traditional yeah. value. The establishment. Because of the hypocrisy of the nation, yeah. right? The establishment. Yeah. So it was just, you know, we're products of it. You know, so just kind of getting back, back on track. Yeah. Some devastating early experiences yeah. for many, many of us who yeah. weren't, you know, really guided the best, yeah. right? In, in light of that, what was the first though path of entry? Because you're that steady figure at this stage, having mm-hmm. experience with you know, like I said, some some tough ones, but also being able to overcome it. Yeah. Um. So, what was the first onboarding experience that you know what came through it? Here's where I want to be. The shift that made me focus heavily on family. Sure. Um. Was, uh, in in truth, in, in truthfulness, um, the the resolution or the, the, my first divorce, my, well, my only divorce. Your divorce. My divorce. Correct. Because uh, prior to that, I was an assistant pastor full time. Got you. Um, uh, and that's all I knew. Mm. My, my, all, all I knew. And, you know, church culture and stuff like that. Sure. But then um, after the divorce, um, I had to resign. Mm. And I realized that family is extremely important to me. And I had to like really look at what family really was. Sure. So I started to, to I went back to school and uh, pursued my master's in marriage and family counseling. And I learned that, um, and this is not just anecdotal, we look at the evidence around the world. Sure. Every strong community has strong marriages. It is. You'll be hard, hard pressed to find a strong community that doesn't have strong, committed marriage. When I say strong, I'm not saying perfect. I'm saying. No. A committed. marriage with a man and a woman who are committed to one another no matter what. Boom. And Which yeah. is by virtue the very definition of a man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the commitment aspect. Mm-hmm. The commitment aspect. Yeah. Man, all right. So I see where it sprang from. Yeah. I, I definitely want to hear your heart because it's a painful experience, yeah. right? Divorce. Yeah. And even someone in the faith. Yeah. You know, 
Uh, I don't, you know, like I said, I, I could, I could, I could unpack it at a, at a deep level, but you know, talk about how it impacted you. Cause you know, I, I tell people avoid at all cost, mm-hmm. and, and I don't try to justify, you know, I'm a godly man. So it says a righteous man swears to his own hurt. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> and that's the hard part. You know, if you're going to really take the stance of, of God, and I'm not saying that there's there's legal ramifications, then there's yeah. heart level, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. there's legal legal divorce, and then there's do you have enough love in mm-hmm. to yeah. to forgive? Yeah. So for you, how did that affect you, and how did you heal through it in a way where you could still view and honor mm-hmm. the prospect of a healthy marriage moving forward? Yeah. So I had to to come to the grips with my my role and what led to it. It's good. I had to really self-reflect and say, what did I do to contribute to that? Because I, I really believe that, you know, every action has a reaction. Absolutely. Every action has a reaction, right? So I may have done something to cause them to behave a certain way toward me. or sure. to, you know, Or something that wasn't done. Yeah, that too. Or something yeah. that wasn't done. There you go. And uh, I realized um, working at a church um, with, uh, with a senior pastor as a retired police captain, Everything is work, 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 work. So I spent uh-huh. Monday, well, t- Monday I had off, except for every other Monday when I had to go in for a pastor's meeting or a minister meeting. But Ooh. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and all day Sunday. And then Tuesday we had prayer at the church. Wednesday night we had Bible study. Thursday we had worship practice. Friday we had youth. Sure. Saturdays we had the food pantry. I was always there. My kids were with me. My family was with me. Sure. But I wasn't, you know, there like that, yeah. that my family was put in a back burner because of that got you so uh i had to just self-reflect so i realized it, it was easy for me to to be bitter mm. that she left right but then i had to think well what did i do to contribute to that excellent and um it was hard it took me a while to get there i ain't go front it took me a while to get there it's real it's real you know, i was hurt like I was, I was hurt. Like I'm like, yo, I'm, I'm a good man. I love Jesus. You know, I was home. I never cheated. Never put a hand on you. I was like, you know, solid. But truth be told, and it wasn't one of those things where people just grow apart. Because I, 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 I don't really believe that people grow, and they may grow in interest of sure. other things. But that, that's no excuse for growing apart. But um, amen to that, brother. Yeah, and I realized, um, you know what, Dre, you're not as great as you. Th- think you are Woo! <laughs> you know you're not you're not Boy, that's, a, that's a life-changing moment right <laughs> no, there it was well prior to me saying thinking that yeah right um i i really went through a depression mm. um i it, it was hard i went through a depression yep i was i had low self like low so i never had low self-esteem as a as a person like growing up sure at that point i felt like i was less than less <laughs> you know um, like nobody cared, nobody went. And at the time, um, and my, my mother knows, like me and my mom, my mom was going through something. Ooh, you know. So I'd even have, oh I'd man, have support there. I was like, I was alone, Ugh. alone. And you know when you go through a divorce, uh, no, you don't know. Praise God. I personally don't but know. When but when people yeah. go through a divorce, the friend that you had mutually takes sides. Ooh. And I didn't want people to take sides, but people were taking sides, and I'm like, I'm, I'm losing friends. People that I loved and considered family, sure. Had my house, slept on my couch. Man, it, it was it was tough, right? Sure. And then I had to say, you know, Dre, like you're not that great. Yeah, man, that's a bad <laughs> you know? right there. That's a moment, and I think it's just a it's a, this is like a little say la pause moment because yeah. I think this is this is the opportunity for anyone in any mm. particular area when we talk about um, just really self assessing. And just not thinking more of ourselves than we ought to. I think that when you're doing the right things, Mm -hmm. it's easy to get into a lane of overconfidence when there's always the prospect of just being a little bit more considerate Mm -hmm. and taking the opportunity to, you know, when I say, like, I had to learn how to be considerate. Yeah. You know, being an athlete was self-oriented. Like, it was the the focus was so narrow. I had to learn how to love in that capacity mm. and, and learn how to be more considerate. And it, it was to the point where um, I, I really didn't know my value. Actually, my wife was the one who once told me, you have no clue, like, who you are. Right. right? <laughs> she told me that one. It, it, ta- it, like, takes, it takes a, a, a real, you know, yeah. a wise woman builds up, man, yeah, I'm going to yeah. tell you what. 
it takes that. And yeah. it really does for any man. And honestly, I really believe at any stage, mm. believing in belonging, right? Yeah. Like you need somebody to breathe life into you to be an advocate for you. Yeah, and true. that's the one of the most powerful dynamics of a healthy marriage. Yeah. When, when a, when a woman can speak into and like, you know, it's probably one of those pausable moments where they mm -hmm. like stop you and look in your eye like, no, you don't get it. Yeah. Most men don't have that as much as we would believe. Even yeah. having relationships, even yeah, have yeah. people who think that you're great. Yep. Like, no, you're the you're the gift. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that's great to hear that, man. Yeah. That's great yeah, to hear so, that. Yeah, it was tough. So like after the divorce, I get, I went through uh a long time just mm. growing. And the thing is though, yeah. Me understanding that I wasn't that great allowed me to, to say, okay, Trey, now it's time for you to do some work on yourself. It's good. Do some work on yourself. And it never stops. Yeah. Because, again, in 2012, I started off the year jobless, single father, newly divorced, and almost homeless. Right? It is. It was, it was tough. And I, you know, I grinded. And it was also at that moment, like, when I was a single father, raising three kids of my own, um, living in a one-bedroom apartment. Sure. That they had the bedroom. I slept on the couch, you know, for mm. three and a half, four years. Um, I realized at that point how marriage, a strong marriage, sure, is meant to strengthen the family and, and gave that support. Like, you know, there's that, that togetherness in the marriage. Sure. Which is why, like, you know, a lot of the work I do is titled Togetherness, T-W-O, togetherness, right? It's good. It's to, togetherness. And I realized at that point that um, a solid marriage, you know, would help build a strong family True. and strong families will build strong, strong communities. communities. Oh. And uh, at that part, point, I was like, you know what? I, I really want to see stronger communities, specifically in, in the black community, which is why Absolutely. me teaching at the school I teach at um, is important to me and communities that I teach at is important to me because it's those communities that don't have strong marriages. Yeah. Tremendous deficit. Yeah. Tremendous deficit. Talk about at what point, like, you know, cause you do a fantastic job on your YouTube channel. I've had the privilege of just chopping it up with you. Mm. We got to keep, keep that going. But yeah. knowing that you have always been in a position of service and impact, I felt like I had ran across some of your content. I'm like, what's right out here doing? What are you out here talking about? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who, what kind of fights he stirring yeah, up out here? I like to, sometimes I throw the bomb out there and just yeah. walk away just to see what it does. Yeah, yeah. No, it's fantastic, man. Like, yeah. you know. At, we know what it is. People are afraid to have conversations that they, are tough to have. Sure. Um, because everybody takes such a, such a polarizing perspective. Correct. And they don't want to just hear the other person's point of view. Sure. And you could still disagree. Sure. But just listen. And people don't want to do that. And I tell people all the time, I'm one of these... I, I'm I'm from Jersey. I love me a good argument. I love a good kind of like, but I, you know, like I haven't perfected bringing it into the internet space. I'm just like, I like dealing with real people. Yeah. And they're real, they're very real people, but the distance creates like, mm -hmm. huh? Mm -hmm. So, uh, <laughs> so like that process for you, you know, like I said, it's a powerful rebirth, you know, it's a really, a really powerful rebirth because number one, when you're in the faith and, and genuinely in the faith, um, that's that's a devastating blow, right? And and shame is probably one of the biggest marks to bear. Um, overcoming that, yeah. you know, just overcoming that. Not, you know, because I I'm sure there was nothing you ever desired or ever, probably ever seen coming. Mm -hmm. But then you actually have to bear the shame of it spiritually, yeah. understanding that. Well, as an example, that that sets a bad example. Yeah, it does. Yeah. And um, it, out of your control. And these are real realities that people endure. How did you, like, as you navigated from a career perspective, reshifted and retooled, what has been your view on on ministry and service and how that has fit into the the podcast and the platform? Yeah, so mindset on ministry has has shifted. Sure. Um, I am more concerned about the individual and people than the the business side of the, yeah, the, the institution and the, the business of, of the church. And I, I know there's a, there's a place for it. I've been on, on the, um, the side where um, Pastor Andre was known, was revered, was, you know, <laughs> I, would, I, would, I, would, I would go to places and be sat in the nice seats. Sure. Uh, I remember uh, after um, my resignation, I would go to churches just to visit. Sure. And, and I would try to sneak in the back. And the pastor would see me and shout me out and tell me, hey, you know, Pastor Andre, come into the front. And like, I'm not here for that. I, I, yeah. I, I'm, I've seen the other side of it. Sure. Like once the resignation happened, you know, I'm still a Christian, but people I would see from the church 
would see me and say, boy, Jeez. are you still serving Jesus? I'm still serving Jesus, yeah, but I'm just not serving as a pastor. Woo. But um, I realized also at that point is um, that there's a, there could be a divide between clergy sure. and the people. I say this respectfully for those pastors that are watching out here. I say this respectfully. People will follow a pastor that they rock with. Sure. Even if that pastor may not necessarily rock with them. Big facts. And some pastors out there, not all, some pastors would exploit that. Sure. And use that so that their platform can be elevated. Sure. And I see that happening uh, often. Yeah. And... And really, as a pastor, your 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 call is to guide. It's a shepherd to guide shepherd sheep. The sheep. Yeah. And you can't you can't shepherd the sheep when you're up here mm-hmm. and you act like you're up here, like you're sure. CEO of a multi million dollar organization. Sure. When you're not called to be a CEO of a multi million dollar organization, yeah. you're called to guide communities Correct. to Christ. I see less of that. Sure. And more of the CEO mindset of what it means to be in ministry. Yeah. And I don't, I don't necessarily, no, not necessarily. I don't rock with it. Nah, man. I don't like it. It's trash. Yeah. Now I'm not saying every, every, every. Yeah. So we, we, we're saying the same thing. Yeah. But the, the, it was, I'm, I, I, I got into it. I've been, a, like I said, because yeah. I wasn't churched. Mm-hmm. I was, I'm like, listen, man. Was, see, thing, you not being church was an advantage. It was an advantage. Was an advantage. <laughs> I'm like, boy, this, this. I'm like, after a few yeah. years being in the church, I'm like, what's this? Yeah. What y'all doing? Yeah. Now I don't even know nothing. But I just know this ain't it. Yeah. Right, and it just talks about you know as a believer the spirit of truth being being mm-hmm. being on the inside of us. I just like hereby we know the spirit of truth versus the spirit of error. There's just so much error, yeah. ungodliness, but um, ultimately, you know, it all comes from the top down. That's the yeah. powerful component of leadership, yeah. and that's not just the church, but that's in other organizations as well. Yeah. Sports organizations, yeah, yeah. poor leaders, it'll 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 jack up the entire environment. True. So um, now I'm with you, man. I think there's there's a massive disconnect. I don't think it's Everybody, I think most yeah. most people are actually well intentioned. Yeah, I agree, and it's just 100%. poor execution. Yeah, poor poor execution, mm-hmm. and there's a better way. You know, yes. there's a better way. I, I, you know, deeper deeper conversation, but talk about what goes on. Harrison family values. Mm-hmm. You bore the stripes to to be a, cre- a a voice of credibility, even in your own lane. Like that's the yeah. cool part about, for lack of better terms, the internet community and yeah. being able to um, create an avenue for dialogue. Yeah, yeah. But you bought a strike for it, man. So, you know, you pursued the passion. You're in you're in the community in some really transformational ways, yeah. occupying space. But talk about what what are some of the typical themes that you can get and so that people can definitely, you know, just tune in when they when they when they're looking to get some insight. <laughs> so, so we talk about faith, family, fatherhood, and manhood. And um I I tend to challenge um certain ideas today. You know, the ideas that may not necessarily allow for people and couples to become stronger. And I and I don't like imbalance, so I'll, I'll 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 talk about imbalance a lot. Got you. So like for instance, like today we have uh, the rise in feminism. Sure. And modern feminism is the elevation of you know women. Sure. You know the attack the of the patriarchy. Yes. Uh, it's, yeah. it's it's bloody out here. It's yeah. yeah. Uh, and then you have the the rise of the red pill manosphere and all that stuff. Yeah. Which is trying to swing the pendulum in a totally different direction. And what's happening is everybody's just trying to have the pendulum, you know, you know, on their side. Sure. Instead of just trying to bring it to the middle and say, sure. guys, this is where it needs to be. Sure. This is where it should happen. How a healthy male can yeah. still be empathetic, mm-hmm. but also, yeah. right, considerate. And those aren't necessarily feminine traits. Those are righteous traits, yeah. you know. Um, but we can, like I said, hugs, yeah. kisses. Yeah. Um, and, and like I said, I think we, we, we've learned these things. Yeah. I, I tell people I'm, a, I'm, I'm, a, I'm the last uh, slate of Gen X. I was born 1980. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I'm like, I just made the cut. But at, but at the end of the day, it's like we, we were, you know, especially in, in, in this area where there's more attack against traditional values, faith, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Things that are profitable, even yeah. just morality, traditional moral if you want to call them Judeo-Christian values. Yeah. But it was this time where, you know, it left it th- these broken homes, right? Missing fathers mm-hmm. left tremendous voids, especially yes. within our community. Yes. This disdain that you felt, you know, that was, you know, 
anti-God rhetoric mm-hmm. and anti, which still exists and is actually growing more ferocious. Mm-hmm. So, but we still have to have morals within a community, within a, within a society, right? Yeah. So, you know, people are always trying to disconnect religion, but I said every sense, true sense of morality comes from a religion, yes. right? Yeah. Like, so you Foundation. can call it values, you can call it whatever you want, but that's just your religion. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yes. like, atheism is they, a religion. Yeah, they, they believe something. Yeah, like, your belief is that you don't believe a God. Yeah. So you've created your own religion. Yeah, that's- <laughs> So it's very interesting, you know, like, but this, and I agree with you, because we we have that that sense of toxic masculinity, we had a wounded generation Mm -hmm. prior to that couldn't emit emotions or was unwilling to emit emotions Mm -hmm. for their idea of what a man was coming through. Now we're going too far, right? I agree with you completely, man. So, you know, um, family, fatherhood, manhood, what's the hardest topic or what's the most engaging topic? That you find, you know, within your community, mm, yeah, just uh, addressing the the fallacies within the red pill. So I, I have I have enemies uh, ah, on, 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 in, on YouTube. Uh, I have enemies, uh, and so I did a, a video a couple of years ago that went viral on May rest in peace, Kevin Samuels. Ah. and all I said in the video was that he doesn't speak for all men. Sure. So they were they, what was happening is um, there was he was building a cult following of yep. younger men. Uh, and let's be real. Most of these young men wasn't about anything. Yeah. They uh, was rejected by women and they uh, was in their basement, probably playing video games, and not, <laughs> and not even their basement, in their grandmama's basement, playing video games, Big not fact. about anything. Right. Yeah. And they were claiming that Kevin Samuel was speaking for them. And all I was saying was Kevin Samuel doesn't speak for all men. That and was I, it. That was it. I said, he doesn't speak for me. He doesn't speak for all men. Sure. You know, I said, um, you know, he has some good. And I, and I he said, had a lot he of good stuff. stuff. He doesn't speak for all men. And, sure. I, and I don't believe that. I think a man should be able to stand on his own, be able to to take what somebody else says and not agree with everything because sure. we're not always going to agree on everything. And what was happening is these young men who probably didn't have strong guidance from a father. Correct. Believed everything that he he said to the point where. He could, he, he, and he, he, he started treating Kevin Samuels like the God, like the God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Call him the Godfather and all that stuff. So here's my thing, right? Kevin Samuels would one second be empathetic on a, a young lady and talk about, you know, they need therapy. You know what? I'm going to help you and I'm going to pay for your counseling sessions. Sure. Right. That's dope. Yeah. That's dope. But when he starts saying that high value men don't cheat and they exercise options. So women need to understand that if they get in with a high value man, they got to be okay with them exercising the option. I don't agree with that. And I can can be a man and be like, that's not cool. At all. Not cool. But here's the thing. You have a guy in the basement, not about anything. (laughs) They're going to be like, you know what? He's looking to shine. Yeah, he's right. Yeah, you know, these women need to understand. Exercise options. Yeah, so now you're unfaithful. Yeah. So if I'm critical about anything that anybody in the red pill say, then I'm, I'm, I'm being attacked. Got you. You know? Um, and fl- same side, you know, there, there's women that, that, that don't like my content either. Of because, course. You know, I'll, I'll talk about, you know, um, that means you're doing a good job. Yeah. <laughs> some behaviors that, that don't promote solid. F- At the end of the day, I will, I will, uh, address and, and expose certain behaviors that don't produce solid families. Excellent. Right? And I don't think people like that. People today want to hear how great they are and how wrong <laughs> the other person is. And, and listen, and that's an issue. Uh, what I love what you already stated was that you know we don't have to agree on this, but yeah. this there this is actually has some substantial merit. Yeah, and and I think like I said, we call it the you know in the faith community there is an advantage because you're closer to I mean like everything has a design. Mm-hmm. There's a way, and that's where I get to. There's a there's a logical empirical side of understanding people, yeah. right? Understanding. Marriage, what's the origin of it? What's the purpose of it, right? There's some central purposes of it, starting with procreation, mm-hmm. starting with, with companionship. Then, you know, moving forward, you obviously you create a family, the difference between a male and a female, mm-hmm. what the needs are, the yeah. role of the mother versus the role of the father. Yeah. I said, man, I'm a good old traditionalist, you yeah. know? Now, it doesn't mean... That I I I've been I didn't change more diapers than most. I got seven kids. Yeah. Right. So. <laughs> seven. Right. Like, and yeah. guess what? If if a little mama was hit hit the jackpot, if my wife told me somebody was about to pay her about, you know, three hundred four hundred thousand mm-hmm. to go do some kind of work, I'd be at home with these yeah. kids. So I'm all for different alternatives. Yeah. 
But in relation to roles, understanding, yeah. I think there is a way. And, yeah, and, that, and that's, that's, that's fantastic. What are the greatest challenges and, you know, or opportunities mm -hmm. that you see amiss? You know, because there's the bright side of this emerging generation yeah. um, as well. Yeah. So when you consider hope and being, I'm sure, some, a sense of optimist, but also, you know, being in the trenches mm -hmm. of serving an emerging generation, yeah. you know, what are the opportunities, you know, i.e. problems that are present within, within the schools and, and the best means or needs uh, to, to provide within some of these communities and ecosystems? Yeah. So New York City is, is, is a weird type of um, school system because... Uh, we, we don't operate as a board anymore. So, you know, there's school boards. No, not anymore. New York City is just under one umbrella that's yeah. governed by the mayor. Um, so whatever the mayor wants and the chancellor wants, we all have to do. Sure. Uh, but, but what's not taken into consideration is how very different some communities are. Oh, because man. even though it's, it's run... borough and inside the yeah, borough. Yeah. So now, even though it's run as one system... Right. Schools operate very differently and the needs are very different as well. So I'll give you an example. Right. A school like the school that I work at that has maybe a handful of families that are married. Sure. Right. And then the school maybe three and a half miles down in a little bit more of an affluent community that has marriages. And it's rare that they have single families. Jeez. Uh, you'll see the difference. Yeah. So now here's the thing. Right. There's certain things that people are afraid to say, mm -hmm. and uh, I'm not shy to say it. When we look at the state of the family in a, in a specific community, sure, we can gauge how well students will do academically. Mm. And people don't want to to really acknowledge focus on that. that. They want they want to acknowledge that. If we and and the thing is, once you because <coughs> once you acknowledge that, right, you start putting the shaming out there. There you go. And it's not about shaming. No. It's about what kind of results do you want for your, your children? <laughs> Thank you. So this actually gets to performance. Yeah. I mean, like this actually gets to performance for productivity, yes. Yes. which which really validates one service. So, mm -hmm. you know, it really gets back to the base level of people are sh shirking responsibility yes. or self-preserving, yes. which is and, a human condition. And the challenge that teachers have in, in communities like the one I work at is we have to now supplement you know what they should have been learning yeah what they need to be learning right now so his his let me show you how it is right Ooh. um when you're teaching third grade yeah you have to teach third grade curriculum okay the problem is these students may not be able to read Ooh. on third grade so now i have to teach the curriculum and while i'm teaching the curriculum teach them how to read. i need to teach them how to read <laughs> you know it's 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 very difficult and Ooh. um and it, when you go to communities where families are intact or there's strong marriages, sure, um, you don't see that mm. as often. Yep, you may yep. see it pockets, but you don't see that as often. It's and excellent. I think that um, in public school systems, they don't really focus more so much on how can we help families become better. It would and be a good use of the dollar. It would be. There would be a good use but, of the dollar. But here's the thing. Now we're going into morality. Yep. Because now marriage is not... Anything today but mor morality now. So, um, what you see fit. Yeah, what you see fit. So, um, people are not getting married any in, in those communities anymore. Yeah, it's heartbreaking. But, but they're popping out kids children, like crazy, right? And now, the kids are the ones that are behind, Becoming more and more unstable. Yeah, and and that's Ooh. one of the challenges that a lot of educators have. Um, and I'm not saying it as it means to shame these communities. No, no, no. Because the, the benefit is the positive thing is a lot of these communities have people within it sure that 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 love the community and love everybody in it for instance you you have to yeah like you guys are superheroes yeah and, <laughs> like, and watch this right you can have a student b right live in a building with student a right and yeah. their families are close they're not related right? okay but they call each other cousins yep they call each other cousins right and that family will look out for this child like it's theirs sure right but they still lack a strong male presence in the home consistently. Sure. And and all that stuff ties in. It does. It does tie in. There was a stat done, right? Um, uh, and you guys can Google it so you guys can find it out for yourself. Like, you know, uh, be like a Berean and research <laughs> what I'm about to say. So when you look at the the discrepancy between kids growing up sure. in single parent homes, uh, single mother homes, and, uh, and married homes, there's a huge discrepancy. Sure. We know where the discrepancy 
uh, sort of flattens out. Where's that? When a child is raised in a single father home. Really? Yes. Now, this is not me to discredit single mothers. No, no, no. Right? It's it's I, such a t- touchy. You know, I know. I know. It's just such a. It's, yeah. it's, you want to sound by talk about yeah, the single I mothers. I grew <laughs> up from a single mother, but yeah, the reality so I, is, so I. I, I'm, I'm bold. I mean, like, if we yeah. could just keep it data driven and empirical, yes. it's been a, it's a failed experiment. Yes, it is. And it, it was nothing people signed up for mm-hmm. like that. True, but it hasn't been a productive run. Yeah, you know, meaning like. To to bring someone to 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 the age of an adult is is re, a respectable accomplishment, but a healthy mm-hmm. a, a healthy adult who's prepared for life in mm-hmm. the human experience. Yes, there it, it requires these two these yeah. two <laughs> these yeah. two levers, right? And that's the thing. So when you have a, a even a child who um, and also with another sense of taper off is when both the parents have a good co parenting relationship. Ah. So kids, children eternalize their, their, who their parent is. Sure. So it's important for both parents sure. to be involved in the kids' lives. Co-parenting is extremely important. And if you're watching this and you're a single parent uh, and you don't give access to your uh, kid's father or mother uh, to the child, uh, you, you're doing a, a very incredible disservice to your child. Big bear. Huge disservice to your child. And if you want to raise secure children, first, get married before you have children. It Second, helps. exemplify what a good marriage is and what a commitment is. Um, third, try not to get a divorce. But if you do get a divorce, leave that there. Raise the children together and support the children together so that they can have that sense of love and, and support. Because... Imagine this, right? Powerful. Imagine this, right? And I, I do this in my, when I do seminars and workshops on co-parenting, right? Imagine a child knowing that mom and dad don't really get along that well. Sure. But they're willing to come together to celebrate me. Mm-hmm. How, how, how would that child feel? They're going to really value that. They're going to love gonna, that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, then, and then what if they can get along while they're celebrating you? Yeah. Right? All that stuff plays a part in the child's upbringing. So again, um, we live in a very imperfect world. Sure. Ideally, mom and dad will stay married and stay committed, but sometimes it, it doesn't work out that way. Excellent. But the goal is to raise secure children. There you go. Now, as an educator, I'm trying to do my best to help these students grow up a little bit more secure. Correct. Um, my, my, I'm, I'm limited, though. I can only it, do but so Massive much. limitations. You're literally getting hired to teach curriculum, and obviously, like I said, yeah. we've been very intentional about raising our seven beautiful children. We've mm-hmm. homeschooled for 15 years. My Which children have been in school. And massive sacrifice now. Like, this wasn't like this, oh, man, I'm balling out. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm bringing my kids home. Mm-hmm. My, my wife forfeited a certified nurse midwife career. Mm. So massive sacrifice um, for us, but formatively as well as, you know, educationally. But I'm like, man, teachers have two jobs. Coaches yeah. have two jobs. Yeah, It's literally two jobs. And um, so I really honor teachers in the last couple of years my kids being in school i'm like man obviously they're my kid my kids are at a, a classical christian school so i'm very comfortable yes. with with okay. the approach but everything's with intent yeah. right it's intent considering what aligns with our values mm-hmm. and ultimately i'm actually paying you to educate my children mm-hmm. right i hopefully we can keep it that way i mean yeah. like but obviously where we've arrived to within our society mm-hmm. the state of the union is is it's not that simple for a teacher. Yeah. A coach should be coaching football, not yeah. raising a man, but yeah. there's the opportunity to impact, impact them yeah. on a social emotional level in a really profound way. But then we go back to why you said what uh, the beginning we talked about like why pretty much like why I do what I do. Sure. And it's because I grew up without a father. Mm. Wow. And a lot of these kids don't have access to a positive male role model in their life. And for many, I am the only male positive male role model that they'll see for a long time. This past summer, sure. This past summer, I was teaching summer school, and I had a student um, do a writing piece, and in the writing piece, he wrote about me, and said, "Wow," and said I never had a black male teacher, and I'm glad I did. Wow, you know, man, so, that's got to be no, man. yeah. Yeah, that's it, life. It brought, it brought tears to my eyes. Praise you know, God, man! <laughs> but it brought tears to my eyes. Yeah, <laughs> bro. So, so t- now nah, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. So uh, and so one one of, one of my motivators for being in education and and um, wanting to hopefully advance to you know, administration is because 
I want to be that, you know, positive black male role model that they see, father yeah. figure that they see. Like again, like I, I as a child, I was always looking for that. And a lot of these boys, sure, they too looking for, looking it. for, They're looking for it. I remember right? looking for it myself. Yeah. You know, my pop pop was, you know, like very very young. He was a strong male figure. Yeah. I used to just want to go learn how to, you know. Mow the lawn. Yeah, I just want to be. You know, I wish my son would learn how to mow the lawn. Listen, it was a different time. I, ain't none of my kids ask me how to mow nothing. Okay, <laughs> right. yeah, so yeah. you know, but everything comes with intention. Like yeah. meaning, like what used to come a little bit more innately within a previous generation doesn't come innately anymore. Mm-hmm. And I tell people everything is coming to people versus seeking out. You used to have yeah. to go to a library. You used to have to go True. to find or seek information, seek out individuals mm-hmm. because individuals. Or places where the conduit to information. The worst yeah. part now is it just comes to you. Yeah. Algorithms. Oh God, it's horrible. It's <laughs> horrible. Yeah. So no one has a seeking mentality, but yeah. it makes them less persistent. True. And uh, makes and, them and a little entitled. bit more apathetic like, and entitled. Yeah. They, they so believe it. It's going to just come to them. It's super deep, bro. Yeah. Listen, man. Give us, you know, give us where we can find more of you, your platform. Um, because you know we'll be out here cooking all night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we'll, we'll definitely bring you back. We said so you might be a full time contributor out here. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> let me know, man. And I'm in Jersey now, so you're I'm in Jersey, right up the street, bro. Right up the street. You gotta do it. So you, you guys can find me on uh, YouTube by going to uh, youtube.com uh, forward slash Harrison Family Values. If you go to Instagram, you can uh, find me at, at Andre underscore D underscore Harrison. Um, I have a website, uh, coachingbydre.com. Uh, there, that's where you can, um, if you, you know, uh, a married couple, an engaged couple looking for premarital counseling, things like that, you can go there and, and schedule me and uh, we can meet virtually. Uh, if you're in the tri-state area, we can meet in person as well. You're a lifeline of, of love and service and a tremendous Thanks, example, man. bro. Yeah. So glad we connected, keep building. More to come in the future, bro. Appreciate you. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you, bro.